trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. It is me, it is me, the big old Stevie C coming at you with a Halloween edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary about the world of professional wrestling, brought to you, of course, by Heel Turn wrestling so what's going on everybody out there it is me steve c i am back for the attack can you believe that we only have two more months left in the year this is crazy this is getting uh, pretty nuts we're going really 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 quickly speeding uh, toward um some of my favorite times of the year and no i'm not talking about necessarily the holidays talking about survivor series coming up in a couple of weeks and you know the end of the year and most of the promotions doing their huge final uh, programs of the year before the holidays. And speaking of promotions doing their end of uh, year deals, we are going to talk about Ring of Honor's final battle. And could it possibly be Ring of Honor's final, final battle? But we'll uh, find out. That's pretty much all it's going to talk, uh, take up all of our time today on the Heel and Face podcast. So the, with the holidays coming up, by the way, you know, you definitely want to start gifting people um, things that they love, things that they enjoy. You know, there are people out there that are really hard to buy for. You don't know what exactly to get the hardest person to buy for. Maybe they're a huge fan, just like you are, of professional wrestling. Well, one item that never goes wrong is having a t-shirt and of course you can buy whatever t-shirt you want you can buy cm punk's t-shirt you can buy kurt angle's t-shirt that i recently bought for a friend of mine and i hope he's not listening because then i just uh, stooge that off but if you want to be up to date in a unique shirt a unique gift that not every fan has, then by all means, go to ProWrestlingTees.com and not only just go to ProWrestlingTees.com, but also go and check out our page, Heel Turn Wrestling. That's right. If you check out our page, Heel Turn Wrestling, you can uh, be a part of what we're doing here. It's not just our awesome uh, podcast. It's not just our blogs. It's not just our dank memes. It is your one-stop shop for anything that goes on in the world of professional wrestling. So you can buy any one of our podcast t-shirts there, Billy Alexander, the heel turn logo. You can buy alcoholic Adams t-shirt. But of course, if you want to be the flyest kid in your block, this holiday season and beyond, then definitely check out the heel and face podcast t-shirt. Just go to pro wrestling That is pro wrestling so we're just going to go right into it and um, the my heart is heavy with this news that came and this is pretty much going to take the predominance of the show I might just take like the double break the rare double break to talk about the news of Ring of Honor then I might come back and, and go in the middle segment with um, some comments about the legacy of Ring of Honor and then uh, might finish the show with a little bit of NXT um, talk, how it wasn't better, but it wasn't terrible. So uh, we'll just be talking mostly Ring of Honor 
this uh, this show. Hopefully, not the death of Ring of Honor either. And um, oh, oh uh, happens. Um, whoa, I hope you guys are still with me. So I had a huge freeze there, and um, I don't know how far that went, but uh, I guess I'm still running. <laughs> so anyway, um, sorry for that awkwardness. If you were just staring at me, like uh, probably some of you uh, who are as old as I am remember Max Headroom, you know, the, the talking voice guy, the futuristic uh, 80s head that just kind of floated on the TV and just kind of spouted things and whatever, um, you know, the pausing and all that stuff that he did. Uh, and if you don't remember who Max Headroom is or you're younger than me, uh, Google him, you uh, might be disappointed. Well, speaking of disappointment, let's go back to, like I said, the first, um, which is Ring of Honor releases a statement on the future and uh, multiple uh, rumors and speculations are abounding after this. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read it for you. Throughout the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe, and despite not producing any live events over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully contracted. We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and are planning a pivot for Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. The year will culminate with a final battle in December, and we will be taking the first quarter of 2022 to work internally and reimagine Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has the most dedicated fans in the industry, and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize Ring of Honor. We anticipate returning to live events in April for the Supercard of Honor with a new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans. Well, you can only take people at their word, and I know and I really understand that uh, most of us want to you know, overanalyze and hyperanalyze things and uh, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a society where we kind of read something and now we're taking a more cynical eye than we ever had before on what we consider, you know, corporate speak or whatever. But the reality of the situation is, is that, yes, in fact, they are going through some restructuring. They are going through some uh, changes and hopefully it will be for the better. And uh, there's a couple of different takes that I want to make about it. And number one, first and foremost, uh, they actually were more generous than they needed to be. Uh, Ring of Honor could have stopped production last year in 2021 during the pandemic. And they decided to, uh, to, to try to do the right thing, so to speak. So they tried to keep as many talent as possible associated with the product and good for them you know i guess when they're all done on this planet and their uh reward is is not of this world they'll be looked on favorably for trying to be kind to their employees they didn't have an obligation to do it but they did it 
and uh, God bless them. They they did the best that they could, and they made the decisions that they felt that they could t make at the time. Um, who knew that this pandemic would be spanning 18 months? Um, sadly enough, we're coming up on almost two years of, uh, of, of a pandemic. Not to get too political, but I think we've had all we can take of this pandemic as far as this goes. And honestly, um, going to April kind of makes sense if you think about it. One, it's their Supercard of Honor show. Two, they already have uh, the venues in Dallas booked to be right next to WrestleMania. And three, you know, Lord knows what's going to happen, but I would strongly bet that people are going to wholesalely reject vaccination and masking mandates and I feel like people are just going to open up themselves. It's going to be two years and people are just going to be tired of it. So hopefully Ring of Honor can see themselves earning money again, opening their doors again, going on tour, trying to get the best talent possible to be part of their organization. And I know that there's reports, there's multiple reports. I just read something about Sports Illustrated uh, blaming the gross mismanagement of Ring of Honor uh, is part of their downfall, uh, which could possibly be true. I mean, you know, Jim Cornette, our favorite retired Southern, uh, former Southern wrestling uh, promoter slash personality, uh, did not have favorable favorable things to say to Greg Gillibrand, or as he referred to him, uh, Greg the Office Boy, uh, and. You know, let's let's take it for what it is. They were actually very fortunate to sell their TV rights to Sinclair, who was looking for a low cost, high yield content generating product. And, you know, Ring of Honor for its uh, for its faults and its merits had some pretty good relationships with different international promotions, obviously like CMLL, like New Japan. You know, they didn't, it's not like they were like TNA and just made fools of the New Japan uh, talent that they had here. So when you take it all into consideration, I just have to take their statement that they made word for word. And I know that there has been, like I said, some feelings that there that our Ring of Honor was grossly mismanaged. Uh, that there's some feeling out there that Ring of Honor was dying on the vine anyway. That um, even though they still showed shows, they should not have uh, continued uh, to go without fans, even though uh, WWE and other companies started letting their fans back. But Ring of Honor and Sinclair had been put in a very precarious situation, and the pandemic probably did not help any at all. Now, I fully expect Ring of Honor to give it one more year I fully expect Ring of Honor to give it one final shot. Um, they're going to finish everything up with Final Battle. 
So if I were you, I might even myself try to support them by buying it. Uh, try to support Ring of Honor as much as you can so they can go out of this year as strong as they possibly can. And, you know, everybody have a Christmas uh, break and then come back after the first of the year. And I really hope that um, Joe Coff, Gary Silken, and anybody else who's still involved with Ring of Honor can brainstorm and come up with some ideas. Personally, what I would do... I would do a mix of NXT and um, uh, who's the other pro like maybe like a Defy or somebody like that. Well, what I would do is I would slowly bring as much contracted talent as I could, like the Ring of Honor Dojo and whatnot. I would try to go after some relatively green but up-and-coming exciting wrestlers and I'd have them featured on Ring of Honor television I mean one that comes to mind as I'm thinking about it you know don't die miles maybe have don't die miles come in to work a little bit of Ring of Honor have some of the younger talent that's kind of floating out there. Um, probably the big fish in small ponds around the independent scene. Uh, I could name for you a couple of wrestlers in Ohio who are at that level who could fill in nicely for Ring of Honor. I would totally go with the youth movement, just like NXT is going with the youth movement. And I would probably just dry, try to build stars Give people the opportunity. Give people a shot. Um, bring in some young guys like uh, Warhorse, Team Warhorse, and Danhausen together. Have them win the uh, tag belts in a tournament. Um, you know, do what you can to get fans excited about new stars. Anybody that's cast off that isn't in MLW, AEW, WWE, or anywhere else, PWG, um, I would maybe pivot instead of having a partnership with New Japan, uh, have a partnership with All Japan. I know WWE has talked about a partnership with All Japan, uh, maybe going that route instead of taking on New Japan. Um, so there's lots of different avenues that Ring of Honor could still go as far as resurfacing and coming out, um, you know, with some young talent that's kind of green, but exciting and fresh and maybe kind of capture some young fans. Um, I'd still keep Tracy Hot Sauce Williams. I'd still keep a lot of the other guys that have been let go and bring them back in. Um, maybe try to keep Roxy, even though I have some thoughts about her later on in the podcast and just do the best you can with what you've got, which is going to be tough. So I'm not going to be one of those people that is going to say, Oh, ROH is dead. I know a lot of people out there are saying ROH is dead and how can you continue on when you've got rid of your entire roster and blah, blah, blah. You know, they could give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. Let's come back and reconvene in March. Let's put something together for Supercard of Honor. 
even if for Super Card of Honor, you bring back all of your champs and have them lose to somebody, maybe with the exception of Roxy, probably, but um, have all of your champs come together and lose. Maybe, uh, I don't know, or maybe that would be a little too obvious. Hopefully, maybe you want to keep Jonathan Gresham around for a while. Who knows? Um, he's another one that's kind of should be talked about. Uh, you know, Drop the belts in a way that isn't obvious that you're going with a youth movement, but also do it in a way that you can build up some excitement and say, hey, we're going to give this a shot, okay? And we're going to do this every three months. And if you stick with us and, and come to Supercard of Honor, or you buy Supercard of Honor and you watch and, and you like what you see, we'll give you some exciting stuff for the next three months. And then we'll go to, what, uh, Best in the World, I think. Uh, just just go every three months and then if you still don't get the uh, fans that you desire or the recognition or whatever then then maybe it might be time to consider selling to Vince McMahon or just packing it all up so uh, I don't think Ring of Honor is dead but I think that there uh, is uh, something to be said for them and um, they definitely have some time to kind of turn things around. The question is then is who who do you do it with? What kind of talent do you go for? What kind of uh, talent do you find? So uh, I more and more places are reporting certain wrestlers are going certain places and I guess there was a report from um, Frightful.com that Tony Khan and Greg Gillibrand, again, office boy Greg, for those of you who listen to the Cornette podcast, uh, have struck a deal with Tony Khan and AEW. So it seems like Jay Lethal, Brody King, and a handful of other Pro wrestlers not only have signed with AEW, but they uh, they were actually their contracts were actually worked out by Ring of Honor management, which again is very noble. So you know, if nothing else, I mean, you might call them incompetent boobs, but you might also call them you know very compassionate and helpful. So I guess why wouldn't you? Especially how uh, crucial uh, some of those wrestlers have been to the survival of Ring of Honor, um, especially after um, you know the Jay Lethal era was over. So speaking of Jay Lethal, again, like I said, Jay Lethal and Brody King apparently have signed with AEW, so you're definitely going to see uh, him, uh, Brody King, team up with uh, Tommy and Malachi Black. And then uh, you're you've got some interesting free agents though who are have have or have heavily worked with Ring of Honor lately who are still kind of out there. You've got according to oh, who is the yeah according to LWS. Dot com, uh, lastwordonsports.com, I should say. Uh, 
the following free agents are still available. I'm not so sure about Bandito, but it seems like Roxy, Danhausen, Bandito, and the current dual champ of Ring of Honor, John Gresham, are available as free agents. I don't know how accurate... I guess that is especially it was up to at least uh, what they said was up to date was up to yesterday. Uh, but these free agents should not be overlooked at all. Uh, this is why another reason why I feel like that Ring of Honor restructuring isn't as bad as people think it is. I don't think that you're going to just let Jonathan Gresham fade away with the belts uh, until he can find someone that Ring of Honor can put them on who's new and, uh, you know, kind of deserves them. I mean, maybe it's time to give them to Shane Taylor and have him be the big bad heel that all the young guys come and try to take a piece of, you know, who knows. But anyway... You've got Jonathan Gresham, who is fantastic. And honestly, I would back the Brinks truck up to his house if I was WWE. Of course, I'm not WWE. I'm just some guy talking about pro wrestling in his basement. But if I was Vince McMahon, I would sign Jonathan Gresham in a heartbeat. And I would immediately stick him with the Hurt Business. As a matter of fact, I would... Have him bring the Ring of Honor belts into the Hurt Business. Why, you ask? The, the exact same reason why they had Dan Severn bring the NWA belt in 97. The exact same reason why they had Ric Flair bring the NWA belt in 92. Uh, it was to drum up interest and give Jonathan Crasham a little bit of gravitas. So, yeah, bring the, bring, bring the belts. And make a big deal about it. Like, hey, this guy is the he's, is a dual champion. He's the Ring of Honor world and pure champion. He is not to be messed with. He's trained with Daniel Bryan. He's trained with blah, blah, blah. He's trained with all these guys. Put him in the Hurt Business. Have him um, have even sell it as they're bringing him in to be a, you know, grappling and striking coach for Cedric Alexander and, Sheldon Benjamin and Bobby Lashley. I mean, do that. Like, make the Hurt Business, like, cool and serious, you know? Not that they already aren't, but I think adding Jonathan Gresham would be pretty amazing. So that's kind of my opinion. There's no no fact back in that, no rumor. I'm just saying, speculating, that I think that Jonathan Gresham would be perfect for the Hurt Business. Then you've got Bandito, who has been uh, apparently – Already booked himself in three Game Changer events um, later on in December. One in New York, one in Dallas, and one in L.A. So you can check him out there. I'm sure he won't – it won't take him long to uh, be a fixture of GCW and have a belt or two there. Uh, of course, speaking of belts, you also have the – Ring of Honor Women's Championship. And again, feel badly for the women because the second that Ring of Honor finally has a legitimate women's division and couldn't have put it on a younger 
better champ, Roxy. She's now, by all rights, the last Ring of Honor women's champion. So I, again, am convinced that this reshuffling, restructuring of Ring of Honor that's going to take place over the next three or four months and bring us to Supercard of Honor is going to include Roxy. I'm sure they're going to sign her right back, just like they're going to sign a lot of the younger talent. At least that's what I would do. And I would slowly reintegrate people back, you know, just to try to convince people. Um, and then, of course, uh, the very nice, very evil Danhausen, who uh, grows on you a little bit like a fungus, but I'm sure he would enjoy that reference. Uh, at first, when I saw him, you know, again, silly, goofy wrestling, but, um, you know, he, I, the more I watch of him, the more I enjoy him, and you can't not like the guy uh, or some sort. So what's to be done with Dan Housen? Honestly, ironically enough, I thought it would have been perfect for him to be a part of Halloween Havoc. For, to have him spin the wheel would have been... Uh, amazing would have been hilarious. I think he would have been the perfect host for Halloween Havoc, and I don't think the WWE had enough foresight to come to that. Uh, I wish they would have. He'd have been perfect, but I don't know. I think it seems to me that Dan Housen is pretty happy and comfortable being one of the guys who loves doing indies. So don't know what's going to happen with Dan Housen. I would assume Dan Housen would join everybody else in AEW and does. And it seems like that's what's happening. It seems like most of the talent from ring of honor have signed with AEW with the exception of few people who are again, uh, unhoused, so to speak. And yes, I know that Jay lethal has signed with AEW, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't change the fact that Jay Lethal should have probably signed with WWE as well. But, of course, you know, they're not doing the whole 40-year-old thing anymore, and Jay Lethal is getting up there, so which is a shame because uh, if you want to bring wrestling back to WWE, you could definitely put Jay Lethal in with guys that he can work with like AJ Styles and whatnot. Plus it would have been a lot of fun to see Jay Lethal work with Bobby Lashley, work with uh, uh, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre. Could you imagine, you know, Roman Reigns, the disgust and disdain he would have for Jay Lethal, but Jay Lethal be so confident that he knows that he could beat uh, uh, Roman Reigns at any given night and and could possibly happen and that and he doesn't have to cut rambling boring promos on all the other uh, champions from other federations to do it either Jay Lethal could be a valuable asset to WWE but he's already signed with AEW alright well um, so why don't we take a quick break then and let's hit a little bit of a refresh, so to speak. And uh, when I come back, I'll have some quick thoughts about uh, Ring of Honor and what the legacy of Ring of Honor is. Uh, stick around. Uh, we'll be right back. You're watching the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Be back in a few.
All right, everybody, how's it going? It is me, it is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanova, with you on a Halloween edition of the Heal and Face podcast, podcast dedicated to news information and commentary about the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heal Turn Wrestling. Of course, I want to kind of close my thoughts about Ring of Honor, in hopefully in a respectful way. But first, before we do that, I just want to hit you guys to uh, where I am and, and where I be. And, you know, who knows? There's a lot of uncertainty going on in uh, social media now. Um, you can, you know, literally be canceled from a platform like that. And I don't want to be. Um, I like where I am. I'm in a good place where... I still feel like I'm flying far enough under the radar. Uh, now, granted, I'm not going to say anything half crazy to get me in trouble with anybody per se, but I do know that we actually as a whole at Heel Turn Wrestling struggling right now uh, with, uh, with being able to be monetized because of some things that some fans said a long time ago, and uh, we still can't find our way out of it. And it's looking uh, a little grim as far as monetizing the site, even though we're still here doing our thing. But uh, but but I want to make sure that I can be everywhere because I want to be there for you. Wherever you are, wherever you consume social media, I want to be there with you as well. So if you go to any social media outlet and you just type Heal and Face Podcast, I'm there. So I'm here on Facebook. I'm here on Twitter. I'm there on Minds. I'm there on Locals. Uh, I'm putting these videos up on Rumble. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways you can access me and access the show. And please support me where I am, wherever you are. Uh, obviously, like and share this page or the Heel uh, Turn Wrestling page. Definitely do that. Check out the other boys on uh, on the show, like the To the Turnbuckle podcast and Whatever Billy Alexander puts up, please, uh, please uh, check him out as well. But of course, you can check me out on all social media platforms. And and uh, if you miss me live or you miss me on Facebook, you can always go to your favorite patio, uh, patio, <laughs> or your favorite podcast streaming service and download the audio. That'd be greatly appreciated. I'm at 187 plays. Yeah. So, uh, let's go on uh, the, the goal is 200. So follow me wherever you can and, uh, hit me up wherever you can. And don't forget to check me out on your favorite podcast streaming service. All right. Well, so we talked a lot about uh, Ring of Honor and the moves that are happening, and I'm a little more optimistic than most of you fans out there, I feel like, as far as what's happening with Ring of Honor. I feel like um, that, uh, that, again, we can only do uh, – we can only uh, talk about what they tell us. Like we can only go by their word and yeah, you can call me naive, but restructuring could mean anything. It could mean a number of different things. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either. Uh, you know, the product has been through a lot and they've been competing and you know what? They went from the legit uh, number three 
at the time in the in this country almost number two they were they were like on the precipice of being the number two professional wrestling uh company in the united states in north america they were at the precipice they were just about to launch in the stratosphere and uh i don't know for some reason or another they just never pulled the trigger they never could could do it but restructuring could mean anything i mean you know people restructure all the time you rearrange your house you, uh, you know, I, I have to clean up a little bit of my desk at work. It's starting to look crazy. So, I mean, you can restructure anything, you know, it, it, give them some time. I think give them a little bit of time and it should be able to work itself out. And I know I'm being a little bit of a homer probably. I know I'm, I'm being a little biased because Ring of Honor was my favorite, uh, or at least it was, it was, it was my like wheelhouse of, of liking uh, something that I could really get behind uh, being there practically as a day one or not, not, I wasn't a day one, day one right? Like I wasn't there for the famous triple threat between uh, low key American dragon and, and the uh, eventual first ring of honor champion Xavier. But uh, I, I was there for a while. I hung with it. I started getting hip to Ring of Honor probably around 2003, 2004, when my buddy, who I've been trying to get to do this podcast with me for the longest time, said, hey, man, my buddy wants me to come up to watch this new wrestling uh, uh, promotion with him. They're going to be in Cleveland. You want to go? And I was like, cool. I mean, why not, right? What's it called? And he said, uh, I think it's called Ring of Honor or something like that. I don't know. And we're like, cool. He said, yeah, he's got a friend wrestling a dark match, which that was true. He, uh, My friend's friend did have a friend wrestling somebody in a dark match. Um, but he said, yeah, and there's like Samoa Joe is going to be there. And the buzz was already on about Samoa Joe, I feel like. Um, but, uh, but my friend was like, yeah, this is kind of pretty awesome. So we should go check it out. And we drove from Columbus to Cleveland. I believe it was, it must've been 2004, 2005, because, uh, it was when I first started at my uh, first full-time teaching job. So that's where I met my buddy who's also a wrestling fan. And we went and, I mean, just that card, I don't remember a ton of it. I remember watching Cole Cabana for the first time and going, I don't know what this guy's doing, but it's pretty hilarious. And I really enjoyed uh, Cole Cabana because I appreciated his style because I got him. And I don't want to sound like a hipster or anything, but I got Colt Cabana when other people, uh, I guess, was up in the air. It looked like at that time Colt was even positioning himself to be in the uh, title picture chase. I don't think they had – if they, I think it was either he was just out of the pure title chase or they were going to come up with some type of North American champion or something like that. I don't know. But uh, Colt Cabana ended up winning. Um, I believe it was also the first time I saw Jimmy Rave. So shout out to Jimmy Rave. God bless him. I don't know if you've seen him uh, recently. But um, for those of you who don't know, 
Jimmy Ray has been suffering from, uh, you know, battling years of uh, being a veteran and having addiction and, and whatnot. And unfortunately, it's kind of really caught up with him as of late. He uh, had a really bad case of MRSA. Uh, the infections got so bad to now he has had to have both of his legs amputated. So uh, prayers go out to Jimmy Rave. Uh, but you saw a ton of other guys, and I believe Brian Danielson was there. I believe that was the first time I saw him. But the guy that really stood out to me was Samoa Joe, this massive dude just walking out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's he's going to be champion someday. And that was the day that I was hooked on Ring of Honor. I don't think we stopped talking about Ring of Honor uh, on the drive home because, of course, I live in – Columbus. So the drive home, even though it was dark, the drive home from Cleveland to Columbus was only about it's only about a two hour, two and a half hour drive. So it's not terrible. We made it back about I think one one thirty in the morning, something like that. But it was well worth it. And at that point, I became a Ring of Honor fan. You know, I tried to tried to ingest anything I could of Ring of Honor. I would um, watch it. Uh, you know, when it was syndicated, where it was syndicated, I would try to get it early. You know, you'd have to go like three in the morning in between, uh, late, 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 late Saturday TV and infomercial. So that one hour window, like two to three in the morning, you'd have to set your DVR to watch it. And I would try to watch as much as I could just try to catch it, get all, get all in with it. Um, I try to go to as many Ring of Honor shows as possible. Uh, my friend, the same friend and I who saw Ring of Honor in uh, Cleveland, caught Ring of Honor a couple of times in Chicago. Uh, we were there for, um, I believe, one of the best in the world, or, or Survival of the Fittest. Uh, we were there for the uh, for the. Super Show, the Chikara Super Show, which was really entertaining. And I believe that was the one where Kevin Steen, I mean, uh, Kevin Owens came out wearing a Transformers mask when he was wrestling in Chikara, uh, which was a little bit insulting. Uh, but Cheap Heel Heat, which is why he got it. Um, I remember uh, going to Best in the World. And watching Kyle O'Reilly die at the hands of um, um, Moonsault from Michael Elgin. But um, Kyle O'Reilly's fine, though. So that's okay. Uh, look, as far as the legacy of Ring of Honor goes, it was a great alternative to what was going on in WWE and the fall of WCW and the absorption of ECW. So a little bit a history lesson for some of you guys. Uh, ECW being bought by Vince McMahon, being bought by WWE, created a huge power vacuum in the early aughts, in the early 2000s, as we say. And a lot of those wrestlers were either you know, folding in to WWE or they were spreading back out uh, into all of the indie promotions that they came from. Obviously, there was nowhere to go with WCW 
And so really that was kind of the birth of the super indies. If you want to think about it, uh, PWG basically started becoming their own inside joke, uh, which is where eventually AEW would just state. And then you had other promotions like, um, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, New, New Jersey pro wrestling, uh, take that name and save that name for a second. I'll get to that. Uh, then you had other little promotions here and there kind of break off fire and ice. Uh, I guess I believe it was out of Florida. You had AEW or AIW absolute insane wrestling in Cleveland, uh, which was picking up some of the steam that a lot of the other, uh, promotions, uh, in Cleveland at the time just couldn't keep up with. And you've got, again, this power vacuum of who's going to be the number two. Who is, is it just going to be Vince McMahon at the very top sitting in the city of Bespin while everybody else is floating down underneath him? You're welcome for that Star Wars reference, by the way. Uh, so then a lot of guys who didn't get signed by ECW or didn't get signed by WCW didn't go along with Vince. Plus a lot of guys who were just standing around just young and hungry and finally moving up the ranks of professional wrestling were just kind of standing around and basically decided to try to put something together, try to pick up the pieces from the leftover um, loss of ECW in Philadelphia. So along with some plucky youngsters like Brian Danielson, Loki, some uh, farmer kids from Maryland who... English may or may not have been their second language. Um, the Human Tornado and Xavier and a few other guys, they decided that they would get together and they would try to uh, bring something new, something fresh, a style that we've all been begging for, a style that kind of, uh, kind of lost uh, its way when uh, wrestling became corporatized, kind of a throwback, you will if you will, of a style of wrestling that was long thought to be forgotten. And we call it the hybrid style. So that was kind of the hybrid era of professional wrestling. And Ring of Honor was born. Okay, So Ring of Honor now is a promotion where uh, athleticism is stressed, wrestling ability is stressed, wrestling acumen is stressed. They, you have 20 seconds to get into the ring, uh, you know, 20-second countouts instead of 10-second countouts. Um, psychology of the ring was was uh, was stressed, but also the athletic ability of the performers was stressed. And I know I said performer, I should have said wrestler. Um, where you see a more of a um, mixed martial arts influence style, because again, at this time, um, whether or not you could make the argument or not, one of the promotions that was trying to fill that power vacuum between Vince and uh, combat sports was UFC. And that was the rapid rise and rapid escalation of USC in the mid uh, late nineties, early two thousands as well. So you see that 
there's a lot of crossover fans. There's a lot of crossover fans between wrestling fans and MMA fans. MMA, MMA fans, UFC doesn't want to admit it, but there are a lot of fans who enjoy both UFC and professional wrestling. So the ones that enjoyed that MMA style took it, <coughs> excuse me, and brought it to Ring of Honor. Hold on. Excuse me for just a second. <coughs> Ooh. Goodness gracious, excuse me, that would have been a cough button. Uh, there's a lot of uh, commotion going on, if you can't tell. But uh, you see this these kids that want to use their martial arts backgrounds with their grappling backgrounds, something that they weren't able to do, something that wasn't supposedly uh, supposed to get over, okay? And things that uh, these new, um, they were doing, that these new promoters were telling them, look, if you want to get in the WWE, you can't do that stuff anymore. Like, you want to get in the WWE, you can't do suicide dives. If you want to go in the WWE, you can't, uh, you know, you can't be a shaved head, uh, boring kind of nerd who just throws uh, uh, Muay Thai kicks. You got to have some personality. You got to have a gimmick. That's how you get in the WWE. And prove this wrong. Prove those critics wrong, thankfully. So now you've got an up-and-coming setup here. Uh, but likening it back to ECW, if I can, for just a moment, here's the ironic situation of that. Everybody thinks about ECW as the ultra-violent, um, over-the-top, gimmicky type of ECW, right? I mean, everybody remembers Sandman versus Raven, Tommy Dreamer versus Raven. Everybody remembers... Um, uh, 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 not homicide, shoot, uh, New Jack, uh, yeeting, uh, the baldy, uh, Vic Grimes, uh, off of the scaffold and whatnot, almost killing him. Uh, everybody remembers all that ridiculous stuff, but no one remembers the other important facet of ECW, which was the, they were already doing a hybrid style of professional wrestling. They had been, obviously, um, uh, Paul Heyman had been one of the first ones to showcase luchadors in the United States. Paul Heyman had been one of the first to uh, showcase some of the uh, Japanese-style wrestlers, like Chris Benoit. Oh, yeah, I said his name, by the way. Like Eddie Guerrero, like Dean Malenko, guys that were considered boring and small. And he already influenced uh, the wrestling public by introducing those wrestlers to us and letting them bring their fantastic matches, real five-star matches from Japan to the United States to create a whole new thing. And the audience loved it. We ate it up. I grew up in that era. I grew up in the ECW era. So... It was just as important to me as seeing Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn as it was for me to see uh, Ian Rotten in a Taipei glass knuckles fight, right? It was just as important for me to see Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis uh, than it was for me to see um, Kane Dewey and uh, Sandman versus Raven, you know, or Sabu and Rob Van Dam versus Taz and whomever in a barbed wire match or whatever. So we forget that ECW also helped 
us prove that we could see more than just the formulaic cartoonish wrestling of WWE, that we could actually get involved with characters who could actually wrestle as well. And when that got taken up by WWE eventually and the power vacuums there, you've got guys who loved the old mentality wrestling of this wrestling psychology and the hybrid style and actually getting to wrestling and grappling. And those wrestlers generated towards Ring of Honor. Now, uh, of course, the other side, the ultra-violent, corny, uh, over-the-top uh, razor barbed wire crap, that kind of uh, fell to CCW, Combat Zone Wrestling. And it was almost as if ECW kind of, uh, if you want to, for lack of a better word, like mitosis-sized, right? Like basically split into two entities and... Ring of Honor was the one that was doing like real wrestling, but Combat Zone was doing that, you know, C4 explosive match. And I know, I know, I'm a little biased against those matches. I get it. Like I said, I can only watch about two or three death matches a year. It's not my thing. I don't want to really, you know, like destroy anybody for having their thing. You like what you like. I'm just not a fan of it, but I will say that. Uh, you know, CCW really did nothing for me. It wasn't that great. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of problems, obviously. And really the only thing that come out of CCW was the, uh, Jesus drop from, uh, Zandig for, uh, So other than that, you know, I know, I get it. There were Ring of Honor people who were wrestling CCW. I know that's where Chris Hero was. I get it. Um, but, uh, ring of honor provided an opportunity for wrestlers who would have not have gotten a shot at WWE, who would not have gotten a shot anywhere else in the United States and brought fans in who were just fans of pro wrestling. If you wanted to see a 15 minute match of just grappling holds and exchanges and no one leaving their feet unless it was for a leapfrog and no one coming off the top rope or the second rope until at least a good 10 minutes into the match, then Ring of Honor was for you. And as much as I enjoyed the craziness of ECW, like I was ready to settle back down with Ring of Honor and I was really, really um, disappointed, uh, you know, well, not disappointed. I was uh, really, uh, really excited to see that there was a legit alternative to WWE that was coming up on the horizon. Was not a fan of the Ring of Honor versus CZW invasion. I know that why they did it. Um, it always seemed to me Combat Zone was trying to uh, grab the coattails of Ring of Honor because they knew with everyone else that Ring of Honor was the uh, was the rocket. You know, I'm sorry if I mixed metaphors there, but you guys get what I mean. So Ring of Honor brought us great talent. Um, and then I haven't even begun to talk about all the Second City Saints that made their way to Philadelphia, that made their way to New York, that made their way to New Jersey uh, or to Maryland. Like everybody's favorite, CM Punk, uh, A Steel, Samoa Joe, Colt Cabana. So when... The talent in Ring of Honor 
on the west, on the east coast started generating the buzz. And when Ring of Honor got guys a lot of experience doing goofy things, you know, trading talent with Chikara, trading talent with Combat Zone, trading talent with Full Impact, thinking of Florida. Um, or when you see uh, All Japan, I'm sorry, not All Japan, when you see um, uh, when you see uh, New Jersey Pro Wrestling um, and uh, exchange talent with them, and then all of a sudden you get into with uh, the whole um, you get with it to the whole uh, the whole East Coast and um, for example New Jersey pro wrestling then goes ahead and evolves into game changer wrestling which is obviously hugely popular and still very much influenced by ECW and Ring of Honor with all that happening with, with all that going on in the East coast and you've got ring of honor, um, just kind of holding it down, putting it all together, giving us an alternative to, uh, the, the fake stuff from WWE. But then also you've got, uh, the, uh, the, the fact that more people are gravitating towards it. So it's moving up. So it's giving, uh, North America and possibly the world a legit, uh, legit, uh, reason to, uh, become the number two, and to give us all hope that wrestling was going to be wrestling for a while. Um, now, of course, you know, the, the downside of the legacy of Ring of Honor is that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of guys kind of did their own stuff, did their own thing. And you've got uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla with their influence. You've got uh, other guys that, that kind of infused talent and traded talent and whatnot and, you know, kind of said, well, hey, let's try this in Ring of Honor. Let's try this in Ring of Honor. And uh, I think they kind of lost their way a little bit, especially with the, the, the talent that was kind of leaving for WWE at the time. And then after that, uh, you know, so there was kind of a downtime in Ring of Honor. They were looking for talent. Um, you know, it was um, – had something to do with, uh, uh, you know, they had some weird things going on, like letting Matt Hardy do what he wanted to do and, and all that. And, and in between, um, guys stuck around like Jay Lethal, guys stuck around and uh, tried to make it work. Rhett Titus, Kenny King was back and forth in and out. So um, we finally get to uh, the greatest I think it's been, which was Jay Lethal's run as Ring of Honor champion, which was just by far and away like uh, – the, um, the, the, like the pinnacle of what Ring of Honor could have been, um, you know, they were really cooking there when they, when they regained their steam and they were cooking there for a while, uh, in the beginning of 2010, um, and in that whole reign of Jay Lethal becoming, uh, the face of Ring of Honor, you know, just, just, just great wrestling for the last 15, 20 years or so. And, um, and it's just a shame. It's it's sad to see that they are, um, you know, no longer. Uh, well, let's put it this way again. I don't want to speculate. Like I said, they could be restructuring to do something better. They could be restructuring for one reason or another. But they are. Um, they are uh, doing their. Their legacy will live forever in professional wrestling uh, because uh, 
they prove to us that wrestling is still good. And uh, there are some legit stars and legit athletes from professional wrestling that are, uh, you know, that, that, that could shine and um, whatever they do, they'll be, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Uh, I would love to see, like I said, them get some new talent and infuse new talent in. So uh, we will see uh, what the future holds for Ring of Honor, but their legacy, their imprint, their stamp on the world of professional wrestling uh, cannot be understated. Well, guys, okay, I know what you're thinking. You're probably wondering where my analysis is of any shows that I watched this week. And to be fair, I did get to see a relatively good amount of shows. The one show that I did really concentrate on this week was Halloween Havoc. Didn't get to see MLW. Didn't get to see anybody else. So what I'll probably end up doing is um, I'll probably have a secret three count uh, later on this week about NXT and Halloween Havoc and three things that uh, came from Halloween Havoc that, that, that are good. Uh, maybe some things that are bad. I don't know. The top three, the top three takes. How about that? I'll take three takes from uh, Halloween Havoc, and I'll set it up sometime later on this week. Thanks for joining me. It is me. It is me, the Big Stevie C, here for the Heel and Face Podcast, podcast dedicated to news information from the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and as always, peace.